Our second scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching the disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in their house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on our way? But they were silent. For on the way they'd argued with one another about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, taking it in his arms, and he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such as this child in my name welcomes me. But whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but the one who sent me. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. You guys know that I'm a Tennessee Titans fan. And I'm not going to say anything to anyone about the game last week who might be rooting for the Buccaneers that were annihilated. But what you might not know is I also dabble a little bit in college football. I don't follow it near to the extent of professional football because I'm not allowed to. As much time as I devote to knowing every player, every team, every coach, if I did that with two sports, I would just go crazy. But I do like to watch college football on occasion, and I'm a big fan of the Tennessee Volunteers, as you might expect. And last week they played Oklahoma State, and it was a great game. Tennessee got up in the first quarter, and it looked like they were going to dominate the game throughout. But then as Tennessee teams so often do, the game went on, and into the fourth quarter it all came crashing down around them. They were up by two scores in the fourth quarter, and Oklahoma scored one touchdown, and then with just minutes left in the game scored a second touchdown to take it to overtime where the Volunteers lost. And we've all experienced that. We've all experienced those highs where we think nothing could go wrong and then just minutes later it comes crashing down around us. And that's how I think Jesus felt in today's scripture. Our passage starts, or our, this chapter starts with the transfiguration. And Jesus and a few of the disciples go up on the mountain and Jesus glows and Moses and Elijah are there with them and it's at this holy, transcendent moment. But then they come down from the mountain. And they begin to travel through Galilee. They travel to Capernaum. And the disciples are arguing with one another. And when they arrive to the house they're going to, Jesus says, what were you arguing about? 
And the disciples stand there silent, embarrassed. I've no doubt that Jesus knew what they were arguing about, and they knew that Jesus knew, which is why they didn't want to say anything. But they are arguing about which of them was the greatest. No wonder they were embarrassed. They followed a teacher who taught that to be first, you must be last. To be the greatest, you must be the servant of all. Who taught, the blessed are the meek who lived a life of service to others. This is the man that they sought to follow, yet here they are arguing amongst themselves about which of them is the greatest. So Jesus sits them in a circle. And He goes and gets a little child and He puts the child in them and He holds the child. And says, whoever welcomes the child like this in My name welcomes Me. And so often we think that Jesus took a child because children are wondrous, because children are curious, because children are pure and innocent, because children are filled with faith and curiosity. Jesus could have told a parable about a child or told a story, but instead He went and got a child and put it among them because Jesus wanted them to see the child. And Jesus wants us to see that child. In the book of Mark, so often children are not a symbol of wonder or innocence or purity. We have children such as Jairus' daughter who's near death. We have the Syrophoenician's daughter who has been ill for many years. We have the boy who has convulsions that the father pleads with the disciples to cure him. In the Gospel of Mark, children are more a symbol of poverty, of pain, of illness. And this shouldn't surprise us because during this time, children were seen as a blessing, but they were also seen as a burden. This was a culture where you had to earn your meal every day. And children could not produce, they could not bring income or food into the family, but they sure take food and care without producing anything. In fact, many times children kept the mothers from being out in the field gathering food as well. So they were a double problem, a double burden to the family. Now granted, if the child happened to grow into adulthood, it would be a blessing to the family. Then they could produce, then they could work the fields, then they could be married off for a dowry. But the odds of that were maybe 50-50. So when Jesus went and got a child and put it among the disciples, cradling it, saying, whoever welcomes a child such as this welcomes me, he was going and getting the least of these. The poor, the downtrodden, those looked down upon. And he was saying, whoever welcomes the least of these in my name welcomes these. And this was his response to which of you is the greatest. 
that we must welcome the least of these. Because children really were the lowest rung of society in this culture. But not in our culture. Surely we know better, don't we? Surely we've evolved as the human race. Surely we no longer look down upon children. But sometimes I wonder, if you follow politics in Washington at all, you know that we're right on the cusp of yet another government shutdown. And there are many issues at hand, but one of the issues is the, the uh, desire to defund Planned Parenthood. And this is something we hear repeatedly because people want to protect the rights of the unborn children. But we never hear about people working to protect or help the children once they are born. And I wonder if they are still the lowest rung. And in the church, are we any better? In seminary, every seminarian who wants to go into parish ministry usually does an internship. And 75% of the time, that internship means one thing. Youth ministry. It's a church that can take on an intern, hiring someone to do the youth ministry so that they don't have to. Or bigger churches that have multiple pastors, often the, the youth pastor is someone right out of seminary in their first call. And they're only expected to be there two, three, four years before they go on and become a real pastor. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And when I see bigger churches that have a youth pastor who's in their second, third, fourth call, who's been in ministry for 5, 10, 15 years, I celebrate because I know that they are truly answering their calling and not using it as a stepping stone or a chance to get their feet wet. How do we treat children? Do we act annoyed or roll our eyes when they run around, when they make noise, when they disturb us? Many congregations don't support their youth ministry except for a select few people and maybe the pastor. Otherwise, it's hands-off, and we might trot them out every once in a while for a Christmas program. If we show off, show up, it might be a Sunday off for us because it's not real church. And my favorite, the one thing that turned me off when I was searching for a church was when people say, oh, we've got lots of children, and children are the future of the church. Children are the presence of the church. This is their church just as much as it is ours. Christ said, let the little children come to me. So we must do soul searching as a congregation, as part of the greater church and part of the greater society, and ask ourselves, where do we place children in the order of importance? What do they mean to us? And more importantly, once we do that, we must act upon that. If we say children are important to us, but then do nothing to help children, whether it's the poor and homeless children, the children that are Syrian refugees fleeing their country, or the children of our congregation, then we're just speaking with empty words. 
no matter how great you become, how many, no matter how strong of a Christian you think you are, if you do not welcome the least of these, if you do not care for the least of these in Christ's name and thus do the same for Christ, then you are not following Him at all. And no matter how great you are, no matter how rich, how powerful you come, if you are not willing to crouch down and say to a child, you are a beloved child of God, then you are nothing. Amen.